2: And welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Wright.
1: And I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I got to tell you, Corey, it's great to be back. It's
2: great to have you back.
1: Thank you. Uh, you
2: know, it's funny because you, you were gone traveling. I all was. The holidays, which I heard was amazing. I was
1: paternity leave,
2: yeah. Yeah, was, and you uh, were there. So all those jokes about the boss and, you know, you're an ass. I never said you're an ass. So anything that Matt told you I said was just not true. I've right actually here. been
1: listening in. I've been, uh, oh, you I have been. think okay, you guys good. have been roasting me every episode.
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> They have been. I've been standing up for you off the mic. So just so you know, just so you know, so my job is safe.
1: Yeah. Well, it's good to be back. We've got a fantastic episode. We've got Pat Wood. He is from the Victoria William Wright office. I got to say, we've had Pat on the show before, but super impressive guy, really understands the economy. One of the better overviews of what's going on in commercial and the economy at large here that we've had on this program in a while Pat kind of unpacks everything. He gives some bold predictions about the market. He talks about the asset classes that are performing. He talks about the asset classes where there might be some opportunities for people or that are getting beat up right now. Yeah. All in all, it's a fantastic conversation with Pat. Can't wait to jump into that. But before we jump into that, what's going on with you? What's new with you?
2: Surviving. Surviving. Things, you know, January is now picking up. I mean, yes. We're talking there a little bit. And you're telling me about the residential stuff is really, really picking up. We've been fairly consistent, which has been great demand is still there. Demand is overwhelmingly there. Just buyers and sellers' expectations are a little different. You know, sellers, they want the highest price, which they saw you know six months, a year ago. They're still in that mindset. Sellers now have to look at the new cost of debt. So they want a cheaper price. So it's just a matter of just connecting the two. I really think, and Pat unpacks this a lot, and I will full disclaimer, Pat is not an economist by any stretch of the imagination, but he is our William Wright internal economist because <laughs> he is smarter than most of us. And he unpacks the numbers really, really well, which we kind of dive into with him on here. But I think how he talks about the latter half of the year, interest rates coming off. Once positive news comes out or things plateau, or we even see a pullback in rates, look out. The man is there. People want to buy. They just either can't qualify or they're looking for a deal that doesn't exist and the lack of inventory that's come available i'm pretty sure both on the residential side and the commercial side has has sort of really kept things somewhat stable versus a flood of inventory coming on the market and i think once we get through these these next you know 3 to 6 months i think it's going to be just a, a white hot real estate market the last half of the year once positive comes out cuz demand's still there
1: it's interesting uh, i feel like the sentiment has changed dramatically in the last few weeks and that's kind of it, it, it's among buyers for sure but even sellers there's there's more confidence right now in putting their product on the market and it I think you're right I think there's a generally speaking very few people don't think that will that that rates won't stabilize in the yeah. in the near future and well, I would say the vast majority of people think we might even see a, a rate cut towards the end of the year, yeah. early 2024. And then it might be what is considered, you know, really a demand shock, right? Yeah. Coming, coming back to the market where I feel like even though we've been in this, this soft period, yeah. it doesn't feel like we've been down for too long. So here's one thing I tell everyone, perception of value.
2: Right. Right. And if you take a guy two years ago and you said, hey, Gas, let's say is a dollar twenty for arguments like said, Hey, if gas was two bucks, would you still be buying gas? And the guy looks at you and laughs and is like, I would walk. I'm not paying that. Fast forward two years. He's paying $220 and still driving. It goes from $220 to 190 still arguably, you know, 60, 70 cents more than what he was paying a year earlier. Sure. The guy's filling up jerry cans because his <laughs> perception of value has changed. The housing market is the same. People in COVID that were getting three and a half percent interest rates, two and a half percent interest rates on the commercial side. Would look at a property as rates moved up, and like oh, not buying that It's four percent interest. Forget that. I'm not buying that. You fast forward now, we're we're like seven or eight percent interest on the commercial side, and they're looking at stuff and considering it. Those rates go from six seven down to like six five or four five. Game over because right. people have now adjusted to the new rates. It's now the new norm, and that's what they're looking for. So if you go get a, a quote right now at seven point nine five on a commercial rate, and they scoff at it that same guy or girl is going to be buying a property when they get a quote for 7.15 right. because now to them, it's a deal and they're reworking their new numbers. Demand is still so high that it's, you I mean, people are still going to be paying higher interest on assets, but assets are still going to turn.
1: Well, we talked to Pat today about everything from industrial to multifamily to self-storage, which is his specialty. But really stick around for the conversation about the market at large here, because that is where there's a ton of compelling information and a lot of takeaways. So without further ado, our conversation with Pat Woods. Enjoy guys. This podcast is presented by Impact Commercial. ca okay so we're here with pat wood he is a self storage specialist with william wright in victoria on vancouver island That's
0: vancouver, where victoria is and, yep, yep. For all <laughs> how those, you doing
2: pat for all those listeners that are i'm okay, good i'm now,
1: good thanks for taking the time today really appreciate it can you maybe
0: start by telling some of our listeners a little bit about yourself so I've been with William Wright, I guess, coming up two and a half years now. Spent about five and a half years in the commercial appraisal industry before this, specializing in self-storage valuation. So done a lot of work across the country. I think I totaled up my total appraisals before I left that field of work at somewhere around one and a half billion dollars in valuation. Wow. Wow. Uh, so that gave me a pretty good, pretty good foundation in the industry. And as one of the CEOs of the big storage company said, I've moved over to the dark side now and it's a lot more fun and and a lot different but quite enjoying it now so it's been great
1: just so we understand so self storage are you finding development sites for self storage are you selling these units like how what what's your role typically in in self storage
0: yes it's all of it pretty much all of that we have mandates from some large self storage groups to find development sites in certain markets which has proven challenging to say the least we also have mandates from groups to help them acquire properties to add to their portfolios and then we also work with current owners to help them sell their assets for as much as possible and and that includes getting in kind of early before they're ready to list and making sure that you know their rent rolls are all up to date their rents are at market they stop taking cash because that impacts your value and and really just making sure they're their operations are ready to go for when we take it to market to maximize their value.
1: Okay, so we should, we should get into that. Before we go there, just thinking about the market in general right now, Pat, can we start with just a broad question of how's the commercial market in Victoria right now?
0: We were a little concerned the last couple of weeks of December. We had a big snowstorm here and, and everyone seemed to decide that that was the end of the year when we got about 18 inches of snow. Phones <laughs> went dead. Emails went quiet. I actually during the Christmas break checked to make sure my email was still working and Corey hadn't fired me and removed my access. <laughs> it was that quiet. And then it kind of came back to life a little bit first week. We were back in the office on the third. And it looks like everyone got back to work the week after because we are now running as fast as we can to do everything we're being asked to do. Significantly more leasing than than sales and purchases just because of the financing environment, but still. Very active, very busy, still groups out shopping. And I wouldn't say bargain shopping, just looking for where they think there's value that they can still still find and make things work.
2: So Pat, just just for the record there, it never crossed my mind to cut your email off over the holidays. <laughs> so, <laughs> We wanted to have you on. We had you on about a year and a half ago. You kind of gave us a really good intro to what self-storage is, which is a, it's an asset class within kind of the industrial asset class, for lack of better words. That is a very niche market, but also a very, very large, large industry. Can you maybe just sort of touch base and give us a little recap on sort of how is the how is the self-storage business been? Obviously, interest rates are up and everyone's affected by it. How has that impacted, good or bad, to the self-storage? Because You guys are still selling a lot of stuff. I can tell, I tell the listeners firsthand, there's still a lot of stuff, a lot of interest in that asset class. How has that impacted it over say, the past year?
0: In the office, Connor, Braden, and I, we, we work on the self-storage stuff together and we had some really good success at the end of 2021 into early 2022, about, if my math is right, I think 63 or $64 million worth of, of transactions. It might be a little higher than that. All in storage, record-setting cap rates. You know, everyone did very well, but everyone was also very happy with their purchases. We, we always keep in touch with the people we sell things to, and all the groups that we've sold things to thank us for helping them buy them because they've worked out well for them. And the owners are really happy. So that's kind of the great win-win. As we moved into sort of mid-2022 and interest rates kind of went vertical, people took a little bit of a wait-and-see approach. They didn't know where things were going. Still deals trying to happen. You know, we're we're currently working on a few things right now that can't go into too much detail, but still kind of set that trend of of record-setting prices, record-setting cap rates. But it's been a little quieter because financing is really difficult to get. If you look at some of the deals that we would have done end of 21, early 22, you probably would have seen 28 to 34% down payment required. So your loan-to-values in that 70-ish range, 75, if you're really lucky. And those have switched to -to loan-to-values being sub 60. So you're coming with a lot more cash to buy assets right now. And that's just strictly on the debt service coverage ratio because... Cap rates haven't moved yet. People are still willing to pay the caps that they're willing to pay in good markets six, eight months ago. So you're having to change how the deals look on the financing side, which is, you know, met some vendor financing to help, you know, bridge the high interest rate environment or just some creative deal making. But it's still been good. We're still active. And, you know, there's people still actively shopping, writing really strong offers on things. What do you think is driving that demand right now, Pat? I think because we're in such an inflationary environment which seems to be calming down, which is which is good for everything. But storage, and we talked about this on the last podcast, storage rents are not regulated by anyone but your customer's willingness to pay to higher rent. So if you see your expenses going up six or eight percent a year, but in multifamily you're limited to like a one and a half percent increase as the BC government decided in their Infinite Wisdom was good, you're kind of going backwards. Whereas in storage, if your customers will tolerate a 12 or 14% increase, you can push it through. So you're able to keep up with these, these cost of living or your, your expense increases a lot easier in storage. But also we saw during COVID that storage demand skyrocketed. And it it's starting to let off a little. But even now we're we're seeing new facilities renting up in this. This is a slow time of year, kind of November, December, January. New facilities are renting up at paces that we would have never expected. So demand's still very strong and, and that's made people, you know, really look at the asset classes as somewhere to deploy capital.
1: This is episode 82 of the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. And as, as the layman in the show here, I feel like I've learned mostly that in commercial real estate, when things change, the demand just gets directed to a new asset class, right? Like it It seems like, and it sounds to me like self-storage is the beneficiary of changes to multifamily in many cases, right? The money's still there. It's just getting directed to somewhere that's a little bit easier to, to operate in. Is that safe?
0: It is safe to say the number of multifamily investors or even builders that I talk to on a monthly basis is pretty high. The one thing that you know we have to kind of educate people on is that Self-storage is, is running a business, even more than multifamily. You know, there are day-to-day operations. People are moving in and out, renting lockers every day. So it's not hands-off by any means. It's a very hands-on business, which is why it usually commands a premium on um, cap rate. Like you're getting a higher cap rate in storage than you would in just straight light industrial. Because light industrial, you sign a lease, and then you hope to not hear from your tenants until they want to renew at a higher rate in three, five, or ten years.
1: Right. And with self-storage, Pat, you, you kind of hinted at it's not necessarily an easy industry to operate in as a broker. Can you talk about some of the challenges that that, that you face in, in putting together these deals?
0: Yeah. So, so in storage, it's, it's a very insular community. I mean, we're very welcoming, but not a lot of people spend the time to get into the community. In the U.S., there's 54,000 storage facilities, conferences all over the U.S., If you want to go to a self-storage conference in the U.S., you can find one every two weeks somewhere. In Canada, we have two conferences a year, one in Toronto, one in Vancouver, just over 4,000 facilities, pretty big concentration in the top 10 operators. And unlike the U.S., which has a plethora of stats available online about storage, no one has taken the time to collect and centralize all this Canadian self-storage information. I tried to take it on as a project, and then I got busy selling storage. So it's gone by the wayside right now, but there is no central repository for data. So if you want to learn about what you need in the Canadian storage industry,
2: good luck. So Pat, one reason why we wanted to have you come on here and, and I mean, I know you've got an economics degree. We always are talking economics around the company and we, and for the listeners too, we have weekly video calls with all the offices and what people are working on and constant communication. We always are talking inflation right now. We're talking interest rates. And Pat always seems to have the right crystal ball and is not by luck. Okay. He's one of the smarter guys out there, way smarter than I am. I usually default to Pat on everything. And it's kind of a joke on the, on the Victoria calls. Cause I'll make a, a comment about inflation. Pat will take that comment and he will break it down, not from a macro level, but from a micro level, pretty much with what your neighbor's doing. So I continuously to default to Pat. So Pat, we're not going to put you on the spot here, but What are your thoughts on inflation? What are your thoughts on interest rates? And just for the listeners, just the listeners know, there's two people out there in the world that can predict things like Pat can. You got Pat and the guy from the big short. So that's the level that you're on. So there's no pressure here. We're going to hold you to everything you say. But what are your thoughts on currently where we're at with everything, job numbers and everything? And what do you think the next six months to a year is going to unfold like?
0: Yeah, I spent a large majority of my time when I was at UVic in the economics program after... Having a little bit of a false start in the health information sciences and realizing that I really didn't care about digital medical records, so I spent the rest of my time at in, UV- in the economics world. And yeah, I, it's a topic I find very interesting, and I, I follow it not just because it's very relevant for our job, but it, you know, it's just it's interesting to me. But you know, in December we had our CPI, which is the consumer price index, so basket of goods that, that scan goes out and says how much did this go up over if you bought it. Last year and the year before, which is another interesting thing to come back to. And it went up six point three percent, which sounds terrible because that's a big increase, but that's actually down from the peaks that we saw last summer. Canada's inflation rate's been tracking below the US slightly, which has been good. US CPI came out at 6.5, which is down from 7.1. So pretty big movement there. And you know, they always say when the US sneezes, Canada gets a cold. And I think we're in that situation here, too. We have our Bank of Canada announcement on the, believe it's the 25th or 26th, smart money saying it's going to be a quarter point. Same thing's happening in the US Fed. And whatever the Fed does, Canada essentially has to try to keep up with, because if we don't, our currency will, will crash and inflation will be imported. But what I see happening is if you look at the last six months and you stabilize sort of the inflation rate, inflation's actually been flat the inflation that took place in the last 12 months all happened up until May, June. And then after June, it's been essentially, if you adjust it for seasonality, it's been flat. So inflation almost went away. One caveat is that the big dip in December inflation numbers was based on gasoline prices going down. And as I drove to work today, I noticed that they'd gone back up about another 10 cents. So that could be a bad look for inflation, but On the macro, it's still trending down. The Bank of Canada wants to see a rate between 1 and 3. As inflation gets lower, it's going to be harder to get it lower because you have less things to to fix. But I think inflation is going to continue to fall after this rate increase that is coming at the end of the month because there's no way they're not going to go for just one more 0.25. I think you'll see the Bank of Canada hold and they'll essentially mirror whatever the U.S. Fed does. And that seems to be the same, same talk in the U.S. right now, that inflation's falling enough and the economy is slowing. You know, job reports in the U.S., record low unemployment levels, 3.5%. But then you check the news and Google announced 10,000 layoffs this morning. Yesterday, Microsoft announced 11,000 layoffs. Amazon changed their layoffs from 10,000 to 18,000. So you're going to start seeing the job market worsen and And then we're going to dip into recession probably by June. you will end up with a couple of quarters of recession. And then the Bank of Canada and the Fed are going to have to start cutting rates early in 2024, if not a little before that.
1: So potentially a rate cut coming end of 2023, early 2024. Is 2024 a year of recovery and and a year of busy markets?
0: I think so. I mean, there's a lot of people, even right now, we've noticed a lot more people getting active and searching for real estate because they can see the end of the rate raises. Right. I mean it was it was really difficult when you got a 0.75 followed by a 0.75 followed by a 0.75, you didn't know where that was going to end because by the time you contract a deal, like this isn't most commercial real estate isn't like residential real estate where you're, you know, you have a 15 or 30 day close. You know, some of our self-storage deals take 9 months to a year from the time we get it started till the time we close on the deal. So it's really hard to make numbers still work as your interest rates go up by 3 or 4% in that time frame. So that caused a lot of people to put pens down and just go, okay, we need to wait for some stability. Now that we see the Bank of Canada kind of tapering and ending their increases, I think people, you're going to see a major pickup. Even without a rate cut, you're going to see activity up mid-year. And the one caveat is in economics, we say all things being equal, which is our disclaimer saying we don't actually know what we're talking about. So if something crazy like another war breaks out, China invades Taiwan or things escalate in Ukraine, all bets are off. You know, if you look back in the history of the U.S. Fed and what happens when the U.S. goes to war or conflict, they cut their rates quickly to stimulate the economy like they did during the Gulf War. Things could change if there's major geopolitical change, but all things being equal as they are now. Yeah, I think we're we're going to see rates starting to come down at the end of the year. If you follow the the Canadian treasuries, yesterday was a terrible day for treasuries. They were down to 2.73 at one point, which is almost a whole point from their peak in October. And today they're back up a little bit. But because the mortgage or residential mortgage rates are based off of more bond yields than Bank of Canada rates, you're starting to see residential rates come down too. I've seen some not publicly offered, but, but quoted rates in the in the mid fours now for CMHC insured five-year fixed. Right. And that starts getting the residential market going again, too, which which drives everything. The one thing I did want to comment on with the CPI is the US and Canada are changing the way they calculate it starting from January 2023. So in the past, you took the last two years and then did a blended average and then calculated your CPI against that. And as of January of this year, they're only looking at the last year now. So you're going to see. The COVID effects fall off a lot quicker than they have been. And you're going to see, I mean, my opinion is it will overestimate price decreases and underestimate price increases, which will depress the CPI number quicker and get us back to kind of our range before we probably actually are there. But it's good news, good for the economy, so everyone will be happy.
1: I feel like the mood in the first couple of weeks of January here has shifted in in residential as well. And I feel like there's a lot more optimism and a lot more, uh, I think, I think you're, your comment on seeing the light at the end of the tunnel is very accurate and kind of how people are, are framing things now. Like The buying opportunity might be in the next kind of six to nine months, but if they wait too long, there's a really strong chance of the market kind of taking off in, in the, at, towards the end of the year or, or late 2024. At your office in Victoria, you guys have brokers working across the asset classes. Would you say there's more interest in all asset classes right now?
0: Yeah, there, there is multifamily it's a little quiet. We don't do a ton of multifamily work, but even talking to the brokers in Victoria, they got stuff that are sitting like things that in January of last year would have been gone in a week are been on the market for two or three months now. So that asset class is a little rough because cap rates got incredibly low and and owners haven't repriced their expectations yet. But everything else, you know, on a sales side, development land is tough because financing is non-existent on development land right now. Unless you're willing to put seventy five percent of the money down, right? That's a tough asset class. But otherwise, you know, on the leasing side, everything is attractive and hot. We have we have guys working in every asset class, and a lot of doors closed, a lot of phone calls going on that that weren't happening in December. On the sales side, light industrial is still really hot because the, the supply here is is non-existent still. Lots of stuff coming to market, you know, Q two, Q four, but Nothing available right now. But yeah, we're we're seeing a general pickup and everything. I mean, the the advice that I got from a real estate broker out of Toronto who has done this for 25 years or more than I have, who's very good at what he does, is I'm just telling my clients that you're marrying the property and you're dating the interest rate. Right. He's like just. <laughs> and Corey and I had this chat one of our team calls I think in December. You know, you just factor in the extra interest cost for the next 18 to 24 months make that a cost of doing business or try to get a reduction on the price based on that and knowing you're going to refinance that later.
2: Yeah. So I think, I think we talked about that towards the end of last year on one of our episodes. And and if you can get stuff in markets that definitely has upside that you might get now, maybe at a slight discount or maybe even get a chance at like before we hit record here, me and Adam, we're talking about, about Kelowna and just how chaotic it was last year. And now you're getting an opportunity to buy assets at slightly better prices, but you're getting the opportunity. Versus last year, you weren't getting the opportunity because you'd call and there'd be three offers and some guy's paying cash and you're scratching your head, what's this guy doing? But if you can buy something that's got upside in the rents, and it costs an extra 60 grand in interest for a year or two years, let's say, versus what you feel you should pay, but you can then refinance that out and make an extra three or four, $500,000 more on the asset in 24 months. It's a cost of doing business, but so many people, they, they don't look past the forest, they don't see through the trees and they're like, oh, 12% interest rate, 10% interest rate, forget it. But if you look at it like, hey, would you pay $2 million for this today if I told you it was worth $3 million in a year from now? Of course I would. Would you pay $2 million and $60,000? Yeah. Okay, great. That $60,000 is your interest. You're still going to get the $3 million at the end of the day. So I think people just got to carve it out slightly differently and work it into your, to your numbers when you buy it. But as long as you're buying smart in these assets classes, it's great. And- you know, Adam, to your question earlier about different asset classes, is we've we've got so much diversity in the commercial world from self-storage, which Pat alluded to, is an operating business, all the way to your typical office, development, land, industrial, retail, multifamily. That a lot of times too, when one asset class is really really hot, another one might be cooler. So you get a lot more steadiness through the industry versus say like like in the residential market. If you're if you're a condo guy downtown. You're one area, one asset class versus in commercial, there's just so many ups and downs, ups and downs that your ebbs and flows are there, but your consistency typically from a brokerage level, you know, pretty good. And obviously Pat working in Victoria, which is a, an area that's got nothing but tons of interest over the past couple of years, it's landlocked beyond belief. It's an island for Christ's sakes, right? <laughs> yeah. That there's so much interest there that those markets are going to definitely do very well. Just like we talked about Nanaimo on last episode as our favorite market to invest this year. It's a landlocked there with lots of demand, but it's still a small market that it doesn't take a lot to push it in the positive direction. But when you get pent up demand, like we see right now, everyone still wants to buy. Sure, Just sellers' expectations are 2021 prices. Buyers' expectations are 2023 discounts. So there's just there's, there's an overlap there. There's a disconnect there. But demand is still so pent up that Chris Galis is going to come on Global Six News and say, Interest rates have held themselves, and housing prices are up 1%. Every single person watching that's going to be like, babe, babe, start the car. We hit the bottom. We hit the bottom. And it's going to just take off because demand is still there. Supply isn't there yet. So it's all going to be just totally yeah. relevant. And Pat's comments to that you know, alludes to that and hold on for the second half of this year.
0: Well, and I think as financing gets easier, you're going to, you're going to see the commercial market come back to life. I mean, yeah. debt markets were tight, really tight from what we were being told by a lot of buyers in you know November, December, and they're starting to open up now. I mean, we've had situations where we've gotten offers on property that are 66% of what we're asking and what it's probably worth. And, and the response we get is, we don't disagree with what you're telling us it's worth, but that's all we can pay because of the debt we're being offered. Come back to us when it gets better. You're
2: seeing that consistently. Like, great, right, some of these offers that are going out are not reflections of the assets. It's just reflections of the cost to carry the asset right now. And that that will swing the other way. So that's why if you can buy something and the tenants are paying 20 bucks a foot and you know, that's a 40 or $30 spot all day long, you're going to get that equity build up right there. And then the cap compression is going to kick in when demand goes up and then you're making money in two folds. So, I mean, it's all going to come back in a very positive way.
1: So geographically, then Corey highlighted that obviously Vancouver Island is an island. We've talked about Nanaimo a lot on this program. We've talked about Victoria a lot. Where geographically are you, you seeing opportunities for industrial?
0: I mean, we have a lot of leasing that we're currently doing at West Shore Business Park, which is a development we the office sold out last year, which is completing hopefully Q2 this year. Well there's ish. always construction challenges. Yeah, yeah,
2: Q2 ish. Q2-ish. But uh, yeah, we're
0: yeah, we're doing we're doing a lot of leasing on that. there's you know, it's, it's kind of the only industrial space available in the Western communities. And then, you know, Nanaimo and Around Nanaimo, I agree completely with Corey when he says that, you know, Nanaimo is a place to invest. Problem is it's tough to invest in now because Nanaimo is held by, you know, a bunch of locals who trade with their friends who are local as well. And then occasionally outsiders are allowed in to buy stuff and it's getting better. And by having more professional commercial brokerages, I think we're opening that market up. But even if you look south of Nanaimo into the Ladysmith area, and then even a little north of Nanaimo to up to Parksville, I think you're really going to get kind of the, the improvement of Nanaimo as the hub of the island. You're going to get spillover into those markets and they quite haven't quite taken off yet. So I think those markets for industrial because you can still get land there, whereas, you know, if you want to buy industrial development land anywhere in the, the capital regional district, the CRD, Good luck, or get your checkbook out because it's it's no longer cheap.
1: Have people missed a boat on Langford?
0: I don't think so. I mean, I'm actually currently building a house in Langford. I'm very excited about what's happening in Langford. There's a new council in Langford, which so far, although there were some issues around a tree cutting bylaw, they they rushed through. You know, they they haven't been disastrous to development, but people thought they would. They just kind of want a little bit more thought given to what's being allowed. So, depending on what you want to build in Langford, there's still a lot of opportunity, it's still significantly easier to develop in Langford than it is anywhere else in the South Island. I went to submit my building permits for my house and the city said, "Oh, but you're not going to be dealing with this for like another two months. Come back, you know, come back when, when you're ready to go and you close on the land and we'll get you your permits. It only takes us two days and they were wrong. It took them a day. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh those liars yeah, yeah. Liars, they should come you know? they should so, come train the city of vancouver yeah, I say do they do they edu- do they offer classes
1: over there how to do this <laughs> yes
0: yeah, so, so you know it's one of those where although you know there's maybe some headwinds there is no other municipality that i know of that has a turnaround time like that and that hasn't changed so even if the land's a little more expensive you're talking six weeks to eight weeks for a building permit you know, on industrial stuff, as long as you have zoning and development permit already approved. Last time I checked in on something in Vancouver, they were 11 months waiting for a building permit. So there's costs associated with time. And that's why I think Langford still is a great place to develop. You just have to make sure that you're building the right things now. It's not just a shotgun approach. It's a little more targeted, a little, you know, a little tighter on what you want to do. So Pat,
2: before we let you go here, we have our six pack of lighthearted questions. I know you've got tons of stuff, probably staring at you in the face on your desk there, but we're going to have to ask you to hold tight on that paperwork for about two more minutes. Is that okay?
0: As long as the office doesn't get mad at me for not emailing it in, no problem.
2: If you have any problems, you let me know and I'll send an email on your behalf.
1: Although your email might be turned
0: off. Yeah, yeah. You're just <laughs> emails <might turn> off.
2: <laughs> uh, it's funny, as you were saying that, I was texting the administration. I'm like, is Pat's email back on? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pat, first question up, and I think this is probably the last week we can actually ask this because now we're like the third week of January here, but this is the last week we can probably ask this. First question up, New Year's resolution. What's Pat's New Year's resolution?
0: I'm not a really big resolution person. If there's something I want to change, I kind of just try to do it right away. (laughs) But it it actually, the New Year's resolution happened this week with my fiance. I'm at Washington, which is a ski hill on the island. Got 45 centimeters of snow overnight. And she texted me the powder alert and said, Oh, I wish we could go. And I said, Okay, well, we need to work on setting our lives up over the next year. So when that happens next year, we can be on the mountain. So just try to be a little more on top of everything, making sure, you know, I'm not behind on getting anything to anyone. So if I need to take a day off or something fun like that, I can tell the guys in the office, Hey, I'll, I'll see you not today, but I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks. And that's just, that's kind of what the resolution is. It's just to be really diligent with everything to make sure I can do that.
1: That's a great one. Question number two, you're on death row. What's your last meal?
0: Oh, well, it's got to be like an all you can eat buffet. So I just never stop eating and then they can't kill me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> First time we've had that <laughs> well, brilliant
2: response. Well, I'll tell you right now, we had, we had Rod on from our Vancouver office doing our top five markets and he's about to go on death row. He's eating asparagus. Like what? Yeah, Rod Rod was having seasoned vegetables. Focused on that six pack. Yeah, he's really fit though. So I'm thinking, I'm with you, Pat. I'm with you on that one. All right, next question. Favorite vacation spot when you find the time? And I know you enjoy your travels there, so I'm anxious to hear.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky in that I was raised in Hawaii. My mom still lives there. Came back here 20 years ago to go to UVic. So I'm not necessarily a a tropics person because I spend a fair amount of time visiting my mom. But we went to France this past, end of summer, and did Paris because the fiance had done Paris, which is Paris is what it is. And you always you have to go there. And then we went down to Bordeaux and just had the most amazing time with the nicest people, amazing wine, amazing food in a great city. And immediately we we wish spent more time and we want to go back. So I'd say Bordeaux in France.
1: Wow. The guy who grows up in Hawaii and then ends up in Victoria, you've been pretty blessed with where, where you've got to live. So that's a tough question. Yeah, one island to another, right? (laughs) (laughs) Question number four, what are you watching right now, binge watching or a movie
0: recommendation? We don't actually have a TV at home anymore. We took it off the wall because we weren't using it. I'm a big documentary guy, but I have been on flights and when I'm traveling, watching some Netflix stuff on cooks. Like, There's one on pizza, it's like Master Chefs or something like that, and they go all around the world talking about different pizza experiences. I'm, I'm big on that kind of series where we're, we're just getting to know the people who actually do this stuff. So, yeah, some documentary about some type of cooking.
2: fair. All right, Pat, number five. You find yourself and you're in France. You're enjoying the wine. Life is good. Someone sticks a karaoke mic in front of you. What song are you singing?
0: Uh, I'm going to go with like a super cliche journey, Don't Stop Believing, because everyone knows the words to that no matter where you are because we were at a bar in Paris and the same, that song came on and everyone was singing it and not many people were from North America. So yeah, probably Journey Don't Stop Believing. As,
2: as cliche as that
0: is, I don't think anyone has said that yet.
1: Last but not least, advice for buyers in 2023.
0: Make sure that you're confident of your timelines. Everything is taking significantly longer than it should right now. So if you think you can do your due, due diligence in 30 days, Ask for forty-five because it's a lot easier to ask for more upfront than it is to go and ask for an extension on day, you know, twenty-eight, and that you're asking for fifteen days. Make sure you talk to your consultants about how long things are going to take. Environmental stuff has become harder and harder, taking longer and longer. Financing is taking longer. Everything is taking longer. So just just plan ahead for that and make sure you're you're putting a reasonable amount of time on it because. The last thing you want to do is have to go back after spending money on due diligence and ask for more time and have the seller go, nah, I think I'll take another offer that I have. Sorry.
1: Right. Good advice. Definitely sound advice in this new environment of tons of
0: bottlenecks, I think.
1: Pat, how can people find out more about what you're up to? And of course, William Wright in
0: Victoria there. We have the William Wright website. That's always great. My email is always open, pat at William Wright. C A. And I did it. I did this last time and I'll do it again. There's my cell number as well, which is 250-589-0034. Give me a shout. If I don't answer, I'm probably in a meeting. Just send me a text.
1: Sounds good. Well, we'll leave it there. Thanks again, Pat, for your time today. Yeah, you're welcome. Great. Thanks for
2: joining us, Pat. Take care. There you have it, folks. Our interview with Pat Wood, our unofficial. William Wright commercial economist in our Victoria office.
1: You marry the property, you date the interest rate. Could it be better? Like that like the saying,
2: when he said that, I'm like, you know what? That just kind of puts everything into perspective. I'm actually
1: surprised you didn't say that. You're the king of having, having a nice little, like something, it's almost a throwback. You have, you have weird little sayings for almost everything in your life. Well, I have a new one that I'm
2: taking away from this show now that I'm going to continue to recycle over and over again. And for anyone who hasn't heard this show. As far as I'm concerned, that's my quote. That's your, that's your
1: <laughs> quote. You came up with it. What else do we have before we cut for the day? That was a that was a great market overview. I don't think yeah. uh, Pat disappointed. Second time on the program. Yeah, really great conversation. I feel better for it. What else do we got? What's going on with William Wright? We've got some exciting guests lined up coming up here in the next in the month of February.
2: Here we've right. got some great developers large asset owners. We have some appraisers that we've gone out to that deal a lot in this stuff because getting their perspective on the front lines on the appraisal side is even different than the finance and different from the broker. So we've got a lot of great shows coming up. A William Wright commercial. We're extremely busy. Things have just ramped up relatively quickly. Like we talk about demands really high. Leasing demand is extremely high. So there's very little inventory to pick from across the board. So we are doing our best to get everybody into the properties that they're trying to get into. So, All in all, I think it's off to a good start. We definitely have a bumpy road ahead of us in some degree, but nothing negative, I would say. And then I think we're going to have a great second half of this year, so buckle up.
1: Fantastic. And how can people find out more about William Wright? They can reach us at
2: our Vancouver office anytime, 604-428-5255. Let us know what you're looking for. We'll put you in touch with the best broker within the province. You can visit our website, williamwright.ca. And up for the latest and greatest news, or you can email me, Corey at williamwright.ca. Always love to hear from listeners. Good, bad, negative, indifferent, show ideas, all that stuff. We love to uh, do our best uh, to get back to everyone as fast, fast as we can as well.
1: Awesome. We'll see you next week. So many great episodes. It's good to be back. 2023 is going to be a big year. Yep. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. Subscribe today.